Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse 31. Blind and short. Blind and short. How many of you are short? (laughs) Hey, it's all about perspective, right? Standing next to Shaquille O'Neal, we're all what? We're all short. That's right. And let me tell you something. When I don't have my glasses or when they fog up during worship, I'm blind. I can't see none of y'all right now. In fact, I think I'm going to leave my glasses up. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Blind and short. Handicaps. Things that keep us from what we think uh, is our relationship with Jesus. Things that we would say are the reason why we don't move forward for God. And remember, contextually, we're just moving through the text here. We've seen people... How many can hear me okay? Is the volume all right? Awesome, perfect. Um, <laughs> uh, that was a guess too. Anyway, <laughs> um, th- this, this idea of what we need, of, of what we need to accomplish God's work and God's will. And then thinking about the story that I told during worship that we unpacked a few weeks ago. I, I just, I was blown away by this text this week. I think that there's some very interesting thoughts about are even physical capabilities that will give you some encouragement and that will allow you to really accept the will of God for your life. That's what we talked about, kingdom acceptance, remember? Right, that really simple gospel message that we had, I think it was last week, kingdom acceptance. Sometimes, though, when we accept the assignment, then the devil comes and whispers in our ear and tells us why we're, we're not good enough to do it. Isn't that unfortunate? And what's really unfortunate is that sometimes we what? We listen to him. All right, let's go to the text. We're going to read Luke 18, 31 through 34, and then we're going to walk our way through the text as I uh, progress through the points. And I think it's just the nature of the story, where we are in the text. I think it's going to be most helpful for you to understand as we walk through. I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump in. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Father, give me the strength to bring this message. Father, I pray that the word of God would be clear this morning and that what you want us to do, actionable items as we leave, Father, would be something that would rest in our heart, not just in our minds. Father, not just in a place where we're kind of worried and anxious, but Father, in a place where we're accepting it, where we're ready for the challenge and we're ready to run through that wall. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Luke 18, I guess I got to get there. Luke 18, verse 31. Then he took unto him the twelve, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to where? Jerusalem. And all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of God, the Son of Man, shall be what? Accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, And shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on, and they shall scourge him and put him to what? And the third day he shall what? Rise again. Verse 34. And they understood what? None of these things. And this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. This is just a little blurb here 31 through 34 and then it changes verse 35 and he jumps back into their travels so in the context of this we know verse 30 who shall not receive 
manifold, if you have your Bibles there. Rob, you don't have to jump to it, but who shall not receive, in verse 30, manifold more in this present time, and in the world to come, life everlasting. So we know that Peter spoke up, the disciples spoke up there in those previous verses and said, hey, we forsook all, we gave what we had, and, and quit our jobs and decided to follow you. And Jesus said, you're right. And, and that is going to earn you much more in this present time and an eternal life for your faith, right? And remember, that's on the heels of the story. We already talked about it this morning of the rich man that walked away sorrowfully. So we have to understand that Passover time is coming. Jesus was a, a good Jewish boy. He kept Passover. Ultimately, we know nowadays that it was because he was the Passover lamb. He was the lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world. We call this hindsight, right? In hindsight, we understand Jesus' goal in his ministry. Uh, Philippians 2.8, look at this text. Paul wrote, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So that scripture tells us in Paul, in hindsight, knowing finally, not in part, but in fullness, that what Jesus was doing was paying the price. He was the sinless sacrifice. He was what the prophets foretold. He was Isaiah wrapped up in a plan in one man that was the God-man that came down. So, but in, during that time, these disciples followed him based on what I believe the Holy Spirit's grace, them knowing that he was the Messiah, them knowing that, that he was the, uh, if you will, the, the man for the job sent from heaven, but they didn't understand it. And so I think about in the context of this, just few verses right here, they were, they were quick to exercise their faith. They were quick to jump in. They were quick to make it happen without even understanding the full picture. They thought that he was coming to set up his kingdom here on earth. But we already talked about it. He came to die. But what's our excuse? We know, not in part, but in fullness, that Jesus was the Messiah and that he has come, and he has come, and we're going to land on this verse for today, to seek and to save that which was lost. So at some point, we have no excuse. When we're approached with the, the truth from the text, we have a, a decision to make. And, and these guys made the decision in the blind, and do you see that in the text? They understood what? None of those things. So an interesting excerpt there. The ultimate purpose of Jesus' coming, and this is doctrine here, in human flesh like us, was to defeat what we could not defeat. If you don't understand that today, you need to understand that. The purpose of Jesus coming in the flesh was to be the sinless sacrifice to defeat death, hell, and the grave because we could not. Finally, I've waited this whole entire morning for you to see me. Ah, she's the one who bought this shirt. And she said, if, if I buy this shirt, Will you wear it? And I said, absolutely. And I don't think I saw the shirt. Maybe you sent me a picture of it or no. I don't know. But anyway, I've waited all morning for you to see me, and there it is. No, that's okay. She's, she's volunteering in 10 areas right now. Uh, I did it. I kept, my, I kept my word. I kept my word. Yeah, Karen is responsible for this. So whatever, if you guys just want to find a shirt, as long as it's appropriate, 
You, you like it? <laughs> I'm bananas for Jesus. It's appealing. What was the other one? What was the other? It, what was yours? How are you peeling? Oh, yeah. I had, I, they were on the puns this morning. It was awesome. Anyway, back to the regularly scheduled program. The point of all of this is that, whoa, there's the speaker, is that Jesus was the sinless sacrifice. And so for us, that is the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the good news, is the proclamation. And he is proclaimed king. He is proclaimed the savior over the entire world. We get it. We understand it. It's here in the text. We have to accept that kingdom acceptance. Now, I know it's not easy. I know that sometimes it's difficult. And we face certain, certain things, certain handicaps in our life where we feel like, man, I'm not able to get there, okay? So here's two examples of acceptance this morning. Two examples here where faith of who he is led to the salvation of who they were. Two examples here this morning. Let me ask you this question. What can't you see this morning? What's happening in your life that you feel like you need to see it and you can't? Has anything come to mind? Let me ask you another question. What are you having a hard time finding? What are you searching for this morning that you just feel like you're having a really hard time finding? Does anybody want to be transparent and say, there are things in my life I'd like to see this morning that I can't see? Yeah. I think that we'll address that in this text right here. Look there at Luke 18, 35 through 43. 35 says, and it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho. So you have Jericho about 15 miles above northeast. It would be like this. Jericho, 15 miles uh, northeast of Jerusalem. Coming down to Jerusalem, he's making his journey. Jerusalem is where Passover takes place. He, he must go to Jerusalem. Uh, why? Because that's where he will be tried. That's where he will become the Passover lamb. But we're 15 miles from that, and we're approaching that in the text, and that's where we are in the story. So he's in Jericho, passing through with his disciples, and they land in this city. Some people think it's the Old Testament city of Jericho. There's also a newer, thriving city of Jericho that is in modern times still there and still uh, doing its thing, because if you remember back in the Old Testament, right, that the city what? Fell. They walked around the walls, uh, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling what? Down. So there is an old site of what is and what was Jericho. So between the two, scholarship uh, kind of split hairs on that. But either way, it's in a region close to Jerusalem, about 15 miles away, and so they're making their journey through this city. And at this point, we pick up the story right here, 35. And it came to pass, they've come nigh unto Jericho, and a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. In Luke, he gives a specific account, but in the other synoptic gospels, we find that there were two blind men. And we find that this is the blind Bartimaeus. Uh, anybody know that name or heard that name? Well, old blind Barnabas sit on the way. Blind, blind, blind. There's an old acapella song about it. Uh, it's a really good song. But the point is, is blind Bartimaeus was here sitting by the wayside. That's a little more context from the synoptic gospels. Coming in here, verse 36 and hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. He couldn't see, but he could hear. He couldn't see, but he could hear. And they told him 
that Jesus of Nazareth, what? Passeth by. Let's go to verse 43. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have what? Mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried, what? So much the more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. Come on. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy what? Give me faith. Thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his what? Sight. And what? Followed him. Glorifying God and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto who? Most Christians think they need a voice, but what they really need is their ears. If most Christians that were trying to find their voice in a situation would just sit and be still and use the ears that God gave you, you would get what you need. I just, I just want my voice to be heard. I want the world to know how I feel. You don't need a voice in this matter. It's been done. The price has been paid. And I know the disciples didn't know, but we're in hindsight, dear friend. We know the story, and the, the point is, is we're sitting there, and we're trying to speak. We're trying to find our voice, but listen, old blind Barnabas heard. He heard. Sometimes the blind spots are there for a reason. We don't want to talk about that, do we? Most Christians think they need a voice, but what they really need is their ears. If I could help you with this one thing this morning, if you don't get anything else out of the message, Maybe you just need to listen to God for a while. Maybe you just need to stop talking. Just close thy mouth if. That's the KJV version. Oh my goodness gracious. Everybody's got a word. And yet nobody can get a word in edgewise. You just listen. This week, I, for me, I know I just kind of like sat there. This is what happens. I, I just kind of, I get to a place where I'm, absorbing the text, and half the time I got all these other things going on that I really shouldn't have going on, you know what I mean? And I'm just keeping myself busy. But when I'm preparing a message, oftentimes what I do is I read the text, and then I just sit down and I just go like this. Just listen. I don't get nothing out of my Bible. Well, what are you trying to speak into the text? You don't get anything out of your Bible because you're filling in all the blanks. Why don't you be silent where Scripture is silent and speak where Scripture speak? It's everybody is going to Scripture for ammunition instead of going to Scripture for direction. That's free. I, I just, I know that it's in the Bible. Pastor, help me find this point that will facilitate the answer that I need. You don't need ammunition. You don't need your mouth. You need your ears. Just go to the word of God and sit in God's presence and listen, and he'll give you the direction. It's amazing. Blind, old blind Bartimaeus, he, he could have talked about all the things that he didn't have. He could have talked about how blind he was and how handicapped he was 
and how he wasn't able to do the things that the other children did. But you know what? He had faith enough to be listening. That is enough of a message right there. That has fixed my situation that I got myself in over and over and over again in my life. Just just being present in God's presence and just listening. Let's just remember to use our ears instead of our mouth, okay? Here's some observations from the crowd. Verse 35. There's a ton of meat here, okay? Y'all all right with that? Anybody all right with the text? You're all right to learn? Look at verse 35. And y'all are going to, I'm telling you, you're going to relate to this. Look at verse 35. And it came to pass that he was coming nigh Jerusalem. A blind man sat there by the wayside begging. And he heard a what? Multitude. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. They told him. And he cried, saying, Jesus, right, right, right. Verse 39. And they which went before rebuked him. And, and, and that he should just hold his peace. But he cried so much the more. There's a crowd here. Do you see that in the story? Do you see that there's a crowd? He was sitting by the wayside and he reached out to the crowd. He was listening and and he wanted to know, what's what's the commotion? There's some crowd observations to be had here in the text. Let me give you a few of them. Number one, the crowd is full of people just like you and I. Verse 35 through 37 He was just asking the multitude. There were all different kinds of people. So the first thing that we have to understand is when it comes to a crowd of people, you have to realize that they're just like you. They're people. Sometimes I think that we don't accept how we are in Jesus. Our handicap makes us different than everybody else. We're going to learn that he wasn't different. In fact, he was almost better than some of these because of his faith. But we have to understand that when it comes to the crowd, you have to see that they're just people like you. They're just like you. Those that are outside the walls, but for the grace of God, so go I. Those that are family members that haven't trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, you are no better than them, and they are a part of a crowd just like you're a part of a crowd, and the saving grace of God could make them a part of your crowd just like you're a part of the crowd that you're a part of now. Do you understand what I'm saying? Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his what? Sight. It doesn't matter. The crowd is the crowd. And the crowd could be you, and it could be them, and the crowd is people, and people are people at best. Number one crowd observation is they're just people like him. Look at verse 38. And, and, and they which went before rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. Here's the second thing. The same crowd that led you to Jesus has the potential to keep you from Jesus. I was in the crowd, and the crowd told me, I inquired of the crowd, and the crowd said, they told me what I could not see myself. God used them. I was the blind one. The crowd said, Jesus is coming. The reason why blind Bartimaeus spoke up, the reason why he was speaking and saying, Jesus, have mercy on me, is because of the details he got from the crowd. But the very same crowd that led him to Jesus was the very same crowd that rebuked him and told him to shut his mouth. Crowd observation number two. You have to be careful because the same crowd that led you to him have the potential to lead you away from him. 
boy, have I seen this over and over and over again in my years of the church. Here's a verse. It's free. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. Satan is going to use the crowd just like God uses the crowd. You have to be righteous and determine which voice is speaking. Oh, but you know what to say already, right? We already established that. Blah, 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 blah. You got it all figured out. You better watch. Take heed, lest ye what? Fall. Just stop and listen and understand that people are people at best. He didn't get mad at the crowd. The crowd got mad at him. Sometimes it's you doing what you know God has called you to do that will help the crowd. Maybe they need to see you being faithful. Maybe they need to see you speaking up, even though those that are around in the crowd are saying, shut your mouth. Maybe God's going to use you to help save some of those. Paul said, I became all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Don't worry. Let the crowd be useful in your life, but let the crowd have its place. Here's the third thing. Let faith determine your actions, not feelings. Look at verse number 40. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought. When he came near, he asked. I think this is... uh, Yeah, I want to give you this one. I just lost my spot. Verse 40. And he came and brought him, saying, What wilt thou that I should say unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may what? Receive my sight. Continue. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy what? Thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight. Go back to verse 39. And they which went before rebuked him, that he should what? Hold his peace. Here's the problem. Number three, third observation of the crowd. Let faith determine your actions and not feelings. The crowd is going to tell you, shh, but your faith will then tell you to speak. You see, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the what? Word of God. So you're sitting there as a Christian and your intake is on and you are receiving the word of God and the Holy Spirit is speaking and then you just can't help yourself to act on faith. But if you're not intaking the word of God, if you're constantly talking instead of listening, then what happens? Feelings are involved. And the crowd manipulates you to the place where you are rendered useless as it pertains to your faith because now you are chasing feelings. Church, we have to observe the crowd in our lives. Who is in your crowd? Who is speaking to you? Who is is filling you up? Are they contributing to your faith or to your feelings? Because he received sight by following his faith, not by following his feelings. Does that help? Oh, this is good. Find your voice when your faith has restored what your fallenness took from you. Find your voice when your faith restores what your fallenness took from you. People thought that blindness was a sign that he was a sinner and that he had committed an unpardonable sin that was judged by blindness. The Pharisees that thought that their physical nature and their blessings were a sign from God that they had been good. But a blind man, a maimed individual, someone who was crippled, they were all 
products of the judgment of God. Is that true? Absolutely not. Point number one, the crowd is people just like you and I. So Jesus proved that by saying, your faith hath made thee whole. You think it was by happenstance that he chose blind Bartimaeus? No. So the point is this. Fallenness in general, we live, okay, here's the thing. Romans 5.12, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The, the point is, is that we experience death in our lives. We experience death to relationships, death to family, death to all kinds of things. And so we have to attribute that death to sin in its existence, not sin in a specific location. We live in a fallen world. This could be because of your action. This could be a consequence, but overall, death and bad things happen in our lives because sin is present in the world, right? So we have to understand that faith is the only thing that can restore our fallenness. It's the only thing. So we find that blind Bartimaeus found his voice when faith restored what fallenness took from it. How many of you have a category in your mind, this is some good doctrine for you, for fallenness? I mean it. There's a conscience. There's a part of you that knows to do good, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But do you have a category for understanding in your Christian worldview that bad things happen in this world because sin is present in the world? You should share that with a lost and dying world. You should lead with love and not tell them that they are that way because of their sin, but there are bad things that happen in this world because of sin. That's a much better approach because that's scriptural. This is something that is genetic, inherited, spiritually speaking, that has affected your whole entire physical body. Sin, fallenness in our lives is present, and faith is the only thing that can redeem that. That's free too, okay? Luke 19, 1 through 10. Hurry, go there. Y'all got to listen quick now. Listen quick, okay? There's the blind man. We just covered that. Now there's the short man. I was really looking forward to someone being in church today because I was going to mess with them, but I'll just move on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Luke 19, verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, okay? We see him coming through Jericho, heading to Jerusalem. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. How many know this story? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior looked that way, he passed that way. He looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for the Lord is going to your house today. It's been like, I don't know how many years since I sang that. It's a little song you learned in Sunday school about Zacchaeus. Let me teach you something about Zacchaeus this morning from the text. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was what? Yeah, buddy. There's an unresolved chord in the story. The rich man from a minute ago that walked away sorrowful is going to lead us to a rich man that walks away happy. I love the fact that we serve a God that restores We serve a God that doesn't leave tension on that unresolved story. He said, there's a rich man, 
There, there's a rich man that's walking away sad because he couldn't, he couldn't serve me. It's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom. How about I just do a miracle and bring a rich man, someone who's got money to Jesus, and let me show you what good looks like if you got money. I love that. It's not about the fact that you have or don't have. It's about what you lack, and that's faith. And we're about to see it. He sought to see Jesus. Zacchaeus sought to see Jesus. Are you seeing this here? But he had a handicap. Who he was, and could not for the press, for the crowd, for the people, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him. For he was to pass that way. Man, there's so much goodness here. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at that house, at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him what? Joyfully. And when who? They. The crowd. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, That is he, it was... uh, uh, that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. That's my crowd voice, okay? My negative Nancy crowd voice. That's he that's going with a guest that's a sinner. <laughs> <laughs> and Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, check this out. Don't miss this. This is how a rich man that gets saved handles his money. My goodness gracious. He said unto the Lord, Behold, behold Lord, the half of my goods. I gave to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I'll restore him fourfold. That says he still has what? Just so we're on the same page. And Jesus said unto him, this is the, this day is, (laughs) sorry, I'm struggling this morning. This day is what? Salvation come to this house. For as much as he also is a son of Abraham, He didn't have salvation come to him because of who his daddy was. But because of his faith. Oh my goodness gracious. For the son of man, this is the context that this verse is nestled in with. I mean, how many people have heard that quoted? The son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's right. All the world is lost and Jesus wants to save. No, That that verse is in the context of a really cool story and about a short dude that had big faith. You understand? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's look at this first thing. Miss Tanya, she was there before any of y'all were there. Here's the observation from the crowd. Jesus didn't let the crowd move him. Jesus let Zacchaeus' faith move him. Isn't it a good thing, church, that Jesus knows how to work a crowd? Isn't it a good thing that he uses the crowd to say, hey, whisper in blind Bartimaeus' ear because his eyes aren't going to work, that I'm coming his way and I'm going to fix his eyes. And I know that the same crowd that I'll use for my good, Satan is going to try to circumvent and take ownership. But guess what? His faith is bigger than the crowd. And when Jesus went and said, I'm going to save Zacchaeus because he's got something going on in his life called faith i'm not going to let the crowd influence me i'm going to let his faith influence me aren't you glad that jesus does what he preaches he practices it he's faithful to his own words oh my there is religion after religion out there 
church after church with leaders that cannot follow their own words because they're just men like us. They're just a part of the crowd. But Jesus was God. He was God. Man, aren't you glad that he didn't let the crowd move him? Look at verse 3 and verse 4. I'm going to land the plane here. And he sought to see Jesus. Don't miss this. Don't miss this, the preparation slide. Right? And he sought to see Jesus, who, who he was, who he was, and could not for the press because he was of little stature. And he ran before, and he climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was too past that way. Church, we have to do the preparation in our lives. We have to prepare ourselves for the life of faith. Here's what I noticed about this story, just to be real with you. Zacchaeus was diligent. He didn't procrastinate. And he looked where Jesus was going to be. Here's what I know about this generation. Everybody needs an invitation. No one invited me. <laughs> uh, I think the crowd is working on your feelings, sweetheart. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just, if someone were to just come and ask, I would be ready and willing. Salvation ain't coming to your house, sweetheart. Zacchaeus said, hey, there's a crowd and, and I got a problem. I got a handicap. I'm short. I can't see him. But let me tell you something. I know where he's going. He's headed to Jerusalem. And there can't be but one way that he's getting through the city. And I'm going to go ahead and prepare myself to meet the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and prepare myself today to do what God has for me tomorrow. Y'all are waiting on a personal invitation. And the book has been written. It is there. It is evident. It is power. It is authority. It is alive. All you got to do is get up in the morning and get in the tree. You know where he's headed, don't you? Then prepare. Do you know God? These are the three things on our website of what I think good looks like in our church. Do you serve God? And do you pray to God? Those three areas of preparation are crucial for any Christian to meet Jesus. Let's just go the full-blown context of the kingdom. Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. And when he comes back, he wants to find you so doing, not so sitting, not so running your trap. Pastor, that's a little harsh. Okay, probably. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm just a part of the crowd, just like you, okay? Take what you want. Let faith motivate. Let faith arise. Anyway. I don't know where I'm going with that. You get my point, church. Here we have blind Bartimaeus that didn't let his blindness stop him. He used what he had, his ears. And then, as if you're wondering if you're, oh, well, I just don't know what I have. I just don't know if I have the ability to, to hear even. Okay, Zacchaeus couldn't see a doggone thing, so he found a tree. Here's what I'm saying. Stop making excuses. Find a tree this morning. Find a doggone tree, and if you've never climbed one, Will is sitting right back there. I mean, God help. He had me strapped to this harness, and he's like, Matt, it's okay. Matt, just pull up on the rope. I'm like, dude, I can't do it. I'm so out of breath. He climbs trees for a living. If you need help learning how to climb a tree, Will will help you, even when you're fat and out of shape like me. 
Listen, he, oh, there's a ram in the thicket. He's going to make a way. We sang about it. He made a way. When our backs were against the wall, and it looked as if it was what? Over you. You made a way. And we're standing here only because you made a way. Get in the doggone tree. Every head bowed, every eye closed. James 4.17 says, To them that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Excuses will keep you from the blessing. Procrastination will leave you wanting. Hey, let me help you. What did Zacchaeus do? When Jesus showed up, he rejoiced. He was so happy. And he said, guess what I did, Jesus? I gave half my money away. And if anybody's coming saying that I did them wrong, I'm going to pay them back four times. He was prepared. Some of y'all know what you need to do. You know what that tree is. If that tree is getting your finances right, if that tree is getting your marriage right, if that tree is getting your relationship with that child right, climb the doggone tree. Do what you got to do because that's the only way that when Jesus comes, you'll be able to rejoice. Boy, have I seen so many Christians miserable. Boy, have I seen so many Christians that are just literally sitting there wallowing. And they're usually talking. Let me help you with something. Give me a little juice on that audio. Awesome. Let me help you with something, church. You know what to do. He was short, and he knew the path Jesus was coming. So he went ahead. He didn't need an invitation. He didn't need procrastination. He was diligent to do the faithful man that God wanted him to be? Are you going to be that man? Are you going to be that woman? Are you going to climb the tree this morning? Or are you going to whine and cry about your handicap? Altar's open.